Welcome to another episode of the All Things Bama podcast, Central.com, which is the Sports Illustrated home for all news and uh, athletics. Uh, and we really hope you guys enjoyed our two last uh, last episodes, one with John Garcia Jr., SL Americans recruiting director, just recapping Alabama's 2021 signing class, and then the one we had on Monday with Bama baseball coach Brad Bohannon. And joining me now is staff writer Joey Blackwell, uh, here to talk Alabama basketball and get into the mock draft season. Joey, hope you're doing good, and uh, hope you're ready to, uh, to dive into some hoops and uh, some football. Absolutely. Always happy to talk about Alabama hoops and, you know, just uh, enjoying some, uh, you know, I don't know if the podcasters can hear in our voice. It's been some dreary weather here in Tuscaloosa the past couple of days and just uh, hoping that'll, hoping the sun will shine, unlike uh, in Texas, apparently, with Alabama softball this weekend. Yeah, that was unfortunate, Joey, but but you know what is not unfortunate? Alabama getting back on track and getting a win against South Carolina uh, on Tuesday night. And, Joey, the biggest takeaway, really, just from this last week or so, has been Alabama's defense. Um, they ranked number one in the Ken Palm in defensive efficiency in, in a stat last year that they ranked 114th in. So, uh, you know, it, it's not Alabama's offense that's leading the way. It's Alabama's defense, and that's what makes what they're doing right now so impressive. Oh, absolutely. On defense, they've been doing well. You know, this even you know this past game against South Carolina, they had eight blocks and eight steals um, on on defensive end of the court. They had twenty three rebounds. They out rebounded a very you know a good South Carolina team that's you know one of the top ten in the nation in, in rebounding. So if you're able to beat South Carolina on the glass, um, that's always a good thing. And Alabama, of course, was able to do that. Uh, yeah, you're you're right. Number one in the nation, of course, to Kim Palm. I think they've dropped down to. I think that's come at the expense of their offense, though. They've they've dropped down to I believe 35th in Kim Palm and offensive efficiency that's something they need to uh, definitely work on I'm worried about this defense moving forward though because of course Jordan you know Jordan Bruner's still out probably be at least two maybe three games before we see him again could be even longer then on top of that of course Jawan Gary was also hurt this past his past Tuesday night and um, Oates said that he will be out this weekend. Herb Jones is still limited by injuries. So just there's still definitely some worries moving forward with this Alabama team in regards to defense. Yeah, you know, Joey, I'm not as worried because you look at Alabama's next three games against Georgia on Saturday and then Texas A&M if that doesn't get canceled due to A&M's uh, uh, COVID protocols and, pro- and COVID issues inside their program. And then they play Vanderbilt. And all three of those teams are not even close to getting into the top 50 in terms of offensive efficiency on Ken Palm. Georgia's like 67th. Um, A&M, and, uh, A&M and Vandy are not even top 100. So I don't really think, to, in terms of Alabama's defense, it is going to be supremely tested over these next three games, which um, Alabama now has a three-game lead with, with six games to go. And uh, the reality is, guys, is that if Alabama wins these next three games, they have already clinched a share of the SEC regular season title. Yeah, that'll be good for them. And of course, another big thing for Alabama last night was Missouri, of course, losing you know pretty pretty handily to uh, Ole Miss and Oxford, and um, that keeps them three games back. Um, a good thing for Alabama would be, I and mean, obviously, you know, don't want to root against Missouri here, but a good thing for Alabama would would be if Missouri can keep that gap at three games and Alabama clinch the division early. That would be great time for Alabama to be able to kind of you know bench Herb Jones to rest, 
you know, give give uh, limit minutes for Bruner and Gary as they come back and, and just give them some time to recover from injuries as they clinch that SEC title and head on to the SEC tournament. Well, I think if there's time to bench Herb, it's it's now, right? I mean, and, and I'm not saying it's tough because I don't think Alabama should bench their best player, really. But you look at it. I mean, this is the time where they could do it, right? I mean, I just mentioned the offensive woes for these next three games and for these teams that they're about to play. And it's like they should be able to beat these teams without Herb Jones, right? I mean, uh, and if you win these three games, you at least win a share. You automatically win a share if you win these next three games. And so I just I think if there is a time to bench him, it is now. But but, man, it's just so tough to get him off the floor when he when he's breathing. Right. And I mean, Coach Oates has talked about that all season. And we know Herb. I mean, since he's been a freshman uh, at Alabama, he's been doing this. Um, this he, he's the epitome of what hard work is and what a blue collar is in this program. And, it, you know, you can tell, Joey, I mean, watching the South Carolina game, I mean, what would you say that he's at? I would probably say 65 to 70 percent in terms of full health, uh, which is nowhere near 100. No, I would say the same thing. Yeah, I was going to say around 60 percent. I mean, he's still playing, you know, a really tough defensive game, but unfortunately it's not translating very well on the offensive end of the court. Um, you know, like even the, like this past game, you know, he had two blocks and a steal, and then he had five rebounds, but he only put three points up. Um, which was just uh, one three that he, he he shot one three and got it and that was it as far as his points are concerned and um, I I think moving forward I think if if Alabama can win this weekend it wouldn't surprise me if we see him benched against Texas A and M um, in my opinion I think this this weekend against Georgia is a prime opportunity to bench him but Bohannon uh, not Bohannon excuse me that was a baseball this isn't baseball it's basketball um, Oates has said that you know they haven't even really considered benching him for this weekend so um still a long way to go this season um I'm, I'm you know when you see herb on the sidelines it's kind of you know distressing to see him you know always wearing um a, not a back brace but uh, whatever those massagers they wear i'm not really sure what the technical term is called for those but he's definitely still playing through a lot of pain and it goes to show you know what a tough um player he is but at the same time you don't want to push him too hard yeah, and two against South Carolina. You know, he he has seven assists, and you know that. I mean, he 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 was playing good without the basketball in his hands, right? We just mentioned the the blocks and the steals and the rebounds and the assists too. I mean, seven assists. I mean, he was playing really well without the ball in his hands, and he and as Alabama goes, as Herb Jones goes, I should say Alabama goes, and so he's going to be kind of the guy to watch. Georgia defensively uh, is the second worst uh, defensive team in the SEC, so Alabama's got another chance on Saturday afternoon inside Coma Coliseum to really get get things continued in the right direction on the offensive side of the ball. You know, they cracked 81, 80, over 80 points for the first time in like 17 days on Tuesday because there was a four-game stretch where, where, where they, they, they barely got over 70 um, so um, you can tell the offense is going in the right direction. John Petty has found his hot stroke again, had 20 points um, and three three-pointers against South Carolina. So uh, Georgia is another team where Alabama can capitalize on this because the Alabama of the past would have lost to South Carolina on Tuesday. They would have they would lose to Georgia on Saturday. Um, we're, we're, so uh, you know if Alabama continues to to kind of cure these no Febu- these February nightmares. Um, you just kind of get this, get the sense, Joey, that it's kind of been sloppy over the last couple games, but like they're getting different results, and that's just kind of the the foundation that's being laid for the culture and the leadership of this team and this program that Nate Oates has got a stamp on. 
you no, know, I, I agree. And, you know, you're talking about, um, I think Oates was talking about how, you know, separating the teams uh, between last year and this year and, um, you know, one possession or two possession games, um, how their record was, of course, I can't remember the exact number last year, was far worse than it was this year. Um, and look what they just did. They just won a one possession game. These one possession games that they're winning, they would have lost last year. And I think it goes to show how much this team has grown since 2020. Yeah, and that, and that game, that Alabama Georgia game, will be on SEC Network at two thirty. Um, and and you know it, it's crazy, Joey, because you look at just the tickets, and I know it's a limited capacity, uh, only about twenty five hundred fans in there. And you look at the cheapest ones online, and it's like three hundred bucks. So it's gonna be hard to get tickets to this game for people listening to this who want to go. They um, they probably need to watch uh, online unless they or unless they have a connection. Um, just somewhere in there, but but hopefully, you know, Joey, I was thinking COVID would have been more of an issue during this basketball season for for Alabama, I guess. Um, but their next game against AM, right? I just mentioned AM's had its last two games postponed, they haven't played in over a week. Um, hopefully, on Wednesday, I'm looking forward to that next Wednesday because hopefully they'll be able to get that game in. Yeah, I was, I was actually thinking about that the other day, you know, I was looking at the standings and looking at, at um, Alabama is really the only is really the only team that hasn't been affected as far as SEC play goes, you know, with COVID. And of course that could change next week with Texas A&M, like you said, um, we don't know that, but you know, Alabama has played 21 games. Um, most, uh, most, most teams have played, I think second place is Arkansas. I think they've played uh, 20 games. Um, oh no, Mississippi state has also played 21. And so has Auburn, but regardless, um, there's still a lot, you know. There's still a lot of games to be. Pl- there's still a lot of games to be played, so there's plenty of opportunities for for that to spring up. But so far, Alabama itself hasn't been affected, and neither has their schedule by opponents. And hopefully, that'll that'll keep on going, keep on keeping on as the season um, finishes up here. Joey, let's kind of switch things over to the off season for football, and let's talk about the mock drafts, right? Um, this is what this is everybody's bread and butter this time of year. They they love the mock drafts, and fans eat it up. My first question and first thing I really want to talk about is, well, really, I hate how the NFL draft is so far away from when this season ends, right? I mean, the the Super Bowl just wrapped up last Sunday, and we have to wait now until the end of April until the draft. And that makes teams weary, right? I mean, because all that time there you have from when the culture bowl ends and you're looking at prospects and it's like, do we really want to go with this guy? And it puts doubt into a lot of teams' head and they make bad decisions. I mean, we see that year in, year out. And one of the things I'm really kind of flabbergasted by is the fact that Jamar Chase, I'm seeing it more and more and more, is, is projected in mock drafts higher than Devontae Smith. And the NFL, Joey, is a business of what have you done for me lately? And what has Devontae Smith done for me lately? He's won a Heisman Trophy. He he was Alabama's best receiver of all times in terms of the numbers. Uh, he was maybe college football's best ever, the most accomplished uh, pass catcher of all time. And um, and it just it just baffles me that that he might not be the first number one. He might not be the first receiver off the board. No, I agree. I'm looking at uh at ESPNs right now. I'm looking at Todd Mache and Mel Kuyper's drafts and. Um, um, let's see. Let's make sure I'm getting the name right. Yeah, I'm looking at um Mel, at Todd McShay's right now. He has Jamar Chase, of course, going at, going sixth overall to the Philadelphia Eagles. And he has the Lions at seven, drafting Devontae Smith. 
Um, he granted he also has the um, the Miami Dolphins trading from three to eight with the Carolina Panthers, and he has the Dolphins taking Waddle, so that's why he doesn't go as high. You know, Mel Kiper still has Devontae Smith going third, uh, going second, I believe, actually, to the New York Jets. So he hasn't lost the the luster of Devontae Smith yet. But no, you're absolutely right. You are seeing Jamar Chase kind of creep up these boards, and it, it's it's kind of baffling. I mean, yes, of course, he got hurt in the um in the national championship game he had the dislocated finger that he had to have surgery on you know he wasn't able to go to the senior bowl that probably hurt his draft stock a little bit but look at the half he had at the national championship game before that he had one of if not the greatest uh single half performance in a wide receiver all time he had numbers that were that were better than than entire game numbers um and it was just it's incredible to see him slide in these mock drafts is jamar chase a, a good wide receiver oh absolutely but is he better than the Heisman Trophy winner, the, the Bolitnikoff Award winner, the you know the AP all you know all the Back. unanimous All American player? And it's just it's just kind of baffling to see him slide. Yeah, it really is. And too, even even in some drafts like um, with Bucky Brooks and uh, from the NFL Network, he has Waddle going above Devontae Smith, and Daniel Jeremiah has um, Devontae Smith falling behind uh, Jamar Chase. And I just think, man, like. We we know Smitty because we cover him, so there's kind of this connection there. But I I just think at the end of the day, like the size doesn't matter, right? Like what you put on the tape matters, and the work ethic matters. And I'm not saying Jamar Chase doesn't have that, but what I'm saying is though is that there should be a punishment, in my opinion, or like there should be a consequence to not playing the 2020 season, right? I mean, he opted out. He didn't, and like you don't get better like by at football by not playing football. You just don't. Um, and Devontae Smith got a heck of a lot better when we thought even last year he might have been a first round pick. No, exactly. And I, I, I still think that that I still think that now in in defense of Todd McShay, um, and and his draft, you know, he has that that trade with um with the Dolphins. I don't see that happening. I see the Dolphins staying at three. And I see the them picking Devontae Smith because they need if there's anything um, Miami needs right now it's offensive linemen and wide receivers. You know you look at the tape of Tua Tonga Bailoa last year from Miami and he was making some really great passes that were coming off the hands of wide receivers or they you know just consistently being dropped. They need a key wide receiver that can come in there and kind of electrify that that core. And Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle would be a great pick for them, especially somebody familiar with Tua. But I just don't understand why you have Smith. Well, I, I understand. I, I'm sorry. I don't understand why Jamar Chase is all of a sudden everybody's bread and butter wide receiver. Another position I want to get into as we talk about this, Joey, is running back. I want to talk about Najee Harris. Uh, you were at the Senior Bowl, and Najee was a guy who was out there and performed that the beginning of the practice. You know, despite what his agents were saying, despite what people were saying, despite what you know was maybe this, this, the, the status quo of hey, you know, you've done everything you could do. There's no need for you to do anything more. But he continued to work really hard, and we're seeing him. And more and more, as the draft gets closer and closer, kind of shoot up to the end of the first round rather than being a second-round pick. Um, what do you think is a good fit for Najee, and uh, and what do you think is, you know, in terms of being the number one running back off the board, where do you see him in that conversation? Well, as far as being the number one running back on the board, I, I, I off the board, I think it's neck and neck between him and Clemson's Travis Etienne. Both of them had outstanding seasons. Um, I put the edge slightly to Najee because of what you know. Obviously, he played further. He was won the national championship. He, um, 
oh gosh, I'm having a brain fart here. The, he um, what's what's the running back award? The Doug Walker oh, award. Doug Walker, the yeah. Doug Walker award winner, um, which is you know basically having the the rushing title of college football. Um, uh, both McShay and and Kuiper both have him going thirtieth to the Bills. I think that's a little. I think that's a little far down. Um, I could also see him being drafted by a team like you know the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're in they're in need of a solid running back. Um, I could see them picking him at twenty four. Um, I, I I if if I were of course of course I'm a little biased because like you said you know we cover these guys we cover Najee and Devontae and all them. I would choose Najee because I think he will be better long term. I think he's a very he's a similar back to. Uh, Josh Jacobs, you know, he's got that strength, but he's also got size. I mean, he's not quite as big as a, a Derrick Henry, but he's able to bowl guys over. Um, I, 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 I think on draft day, I think we'll see him more likely than not as the number one back off the board. But that's and that's no disrespect to Travis Cetn. Um, but you know, in a in a draft class that's kind of limited with running backs this year, you know, you really have. Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and, and you know maybe North Carolina's Michael Carter you can throw in there. Um, I see Najee going number one overall um, as far as running backs are concerned. Yeah, and you're in the Jets need a running back as well, and I've kind of seen Etienne go as high as 19 to the Jets when their second uh, first round pick rolls around. But but I think Najee, you know, to the Buffalo is a good is a good pick. I think anywhere in that back half because too you're going to a good team, right? Like you're not going to a crappy organization. You're not going to a crappy um, situation because those teams that are drafting on the back end, they're, they're, they're solid teams already that have solid foundations and, and you're not going to be asked as much. No, I agree. You know, and combining him with, um, you know, Brian Dable there with the bills, um, you know, that would be an incredible offense there, of course, combined with, you know, they are, they're already, the bills are already set at quarterback. If you can get a good running back in there, I think that they could be really set, and that really is the final piece that the Bills were kind of. The Bills were a fantastic team this past year, um, but with but Josh Allen couldn't obviously as the season unwound. Josh Allen couldn't do everything himself, um, so I I believe that if the Bills can pull it off and get Najee at thirty, I think that'll be one of the best late round picks. Yeah, and Joey, before we get off of here, let's talk quarterbacks because Mac Jones, we, we talked about it after the Senior Bowl. His stock is continuing to grow, and you're really seeing it more and more because um, there's been former NFL general managers who have gone on the radio just in the last week saying that they don't see Mac Jones now falling out of the top ten. And me and you both have mentioned the Panthers being a good spot at number eight. But, but I mean, let me ask you, let me put it to you this way then. If you're a general manager, Joey, where would you take Mac Jones if you need a quarterback? Where, how high would you take him? I mean, I, I think I think me and you both would agree Lawrence is number one, but but after that, I mean, where do you kind of see Mac Jones? I know you say he's top four, and I say he's top four, but but like when he stacks up against Justin Fields or like a Zach Wilson or even a Trey Lance, where where how high would you take Mac Jones? I see him as the third quarterback off the board behind, um, I, you know, if, if Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence is still available, obviously I draft them. Obviously Trevor Lawrence is going number one, but you get my hypothetical. Um, I, I think that he's he's proven over this year. You know, he only played one full season with Alabama, and we saw what he was able to do. Now, granted, he had a very, you know, he had an incredible wide receiver core to back him up. Um, and, and, and one of the best, if not actually, you know, no, no, he had the best offensive line in the country, you know, to block for him, giving him plenty of time. But I still think even with that, you know, he has a lot of, you know, just 
hit at the senior bowl. You know, he had pinpoint accuracy. It was a shame he couldn't play in the game. Um, but, you know, he had, he had pinpoint accuracy. He was able to throw the deep ball. He, he was just calm under pressure. Like, he was one of the best quarterbacks at that. Now, of course, Justin Fields and and and, and um, Trevor Lawrence weren't there. But he was the best quarterback on the field despite not being able to play. Um, don't let Kellen Mond winning the uh, the game MVP of, of fool you. Um but I, I, you know, I would draft him. So I, I think I still think he's a fantastic pick at number eight for the Panthers. I think that would be best. I, you know, I will that. Well, does that mean he'll be the third quarterback off the board? More than likely not. He'll probably be the fourth quarterback because you do have there's a lot of people that are high on Zach Wilson right now, which is understandable. But I, I see him, in my opinion, as the third best quarterback in this year's draft. Yeah, I, I, I see him there at three too. Uh, I could say I could either see him at two or three, honestly. But but let me who in uh, this of this quarterback draft class, who do you think has the best career? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I think it really depends on what system that these quarterbacks are put into. Um, I think the best career probably will be either Justin Fields. Uh, I I think Justin Fields probably most likely just because you know Justin Fields is more of that prototype you know new age quarterback you know he can run he can throw he can make big plays Max Jones can make big plays too but he's more of a pocket guy and you know you don't see him scramble very often he's kind of more old school um and that's not saying that Mac Jones isn't a fantastic quarterback but in the over the past decade you know we've seen more you know Russell Wilson's and Lamar Jackson's and Patrick Mahomes and and you know the dual threat guys and Justin Fields is is a prototype at that he might be a little small but he still has the skills I mean heck Russell Wilson is isn't is you know is barely six foot tall um if if even that tall um so I think that I I think I have to go Justin Fields there but Mac Jones you know if he if he's drafted you know at, at 15th by you know the New England Patriots like a lot of drafts are saying he will go you know, if he is drafted by an organization like that and has, you know, wide receivers and 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 a, and a GM that knows what he's doing, um, and pu- putting you know skilled players around him, then you could see him, you know, potentially. I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to be as good as Tom Brady, but he could be that type of Brady-esque quarterback there in New England. Yeah, I um, I really do think Max got a chance to have a great career. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, recency bias or whatever. I, I just really think that um, – because you look at it, right? I mean, we, we've talked about this before. Like, you, there, there's these quarterbacks that are still, you know, pocket passers, and they're still kind of maybe the lesser athletic ones who can still dominate this game. I mean, look at Tom Brady, right? I'm not saying Mac Jones is Tom Brady. I'm, I'm just saying their skill set's really similar. Um, and, and look at two years ago. Jimmy Garoppolo taking the Niners to the Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo ain't some type of Calamari type player running around, you know, and, and just, uh, you know, making defenders miss. He's not Lamar Jackson, right? And he gets to a Super Bowl. Mac Jones in the right system with the with the right with the right talent around him can have a really 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 good career. I I, I don't think people are realizing that, mm-hmm. right? I think I think I think sometimes we look at Justin Fields or we look at a Zach Wilson and we say, wow, like. They're, 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 the extracurricular stuff that comes with them kind of wows us. But Mac Jones, he, he, he above the neck, I, I think he's a smarter player than Justin Fields. I think he's a smarter player than Trey Lance. I think he's a smarter player than Zach Wilson. I, I think him and Trevor – I think there's Trevor Lawrence, there's a gap, and I think there's Mac Jones right there. Um, 
obviously Trevor Lawrence is number one in this class, but but I just think Mac Jones is going to be slept on coming as we as we get closer into April, and I think the teams that miss out on him are going to regret it. No, I, I I agree with you when it comes to smarts. Um, like you know his 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 knowledge of the game is incredible. You know it's it's pretty much unmatched. Maybe maybe Trevor Lawrence rivals him there, um, but you know in in the NFL that is very important. So you know you're absolutely right there. Yeah, and uh, and Joe, you know, as we as we as we end this and we get closer to the draft, we're gonna have a lot more draft coverage, and um, and you know, baseball season will be here too. So baseball season will be here really soon, and we'll be able to talk about that with you and and Alabama, man, pick to finish eleventh in the SEC, uh, kind of low. Yeah, last in the SEC West, um, that was quite surprising. Of course, it was the it was you know voted on by the coaches of the conference. You know, I think Alabama baseball could kind of use that to their favor, though. You know, it, it, if that's how low, if they're last in the West, then that shows that the other SEC coaches don't have any confidence in Alabama. Even after, you know, it shows they were looking back to 2019 Alabama, not 2020 Alabama. Um, I think Alabama can use that to their advantage, at least early on in SEC play. Um, I think that they'll, you know, come in quiet and, you know, then make some noise. And looking forward to seeing how this team handles that. And, you know, I would love to be a fly on the wall uh, when Brad Bohannon saw <laughs> that they were ranked last because I know he doesn't believe that they're going to be last in, in the West. And um, looking forward to a baseball season. Starts next Friday and I'll be there. And, yeah, we'll have plenty of coverage on Bama Central. Kind of disrespectful kind of disrespectful but joey thanks for hopping on here man we really appreciate you and uh and you know just listeners just make sure you guys continue to like rate subscribe on spotify apple or wherever you get your podcast and uh, and go back and listen to some old episodes even this week with brad bohannon and john garcia jr so thank you again joey and for for tyler martin for bama central uh this has been another episode of the all things bama podcast thank you for watching and thank you for listening